The other night I was, I was wrapping presents. I locked myself in my room and was wrapping presents and kind of making sure nobody could see what I was doing. And I got kind of festive, you know, as I'm wrapping presents. And so I said to that little, <clears throat> that little speaker on my desk, I don't want to say her name because if I say her name, you know who I'm talking about? She'll, she'll do something right now. So I'm not going to say her name. But I said, play some Christmas music. And she responded and she said, now playing Christmas classics. Because I use the British voice for my little lady on the desk. Now playing Christmas classics. And I thought, oh good, Christmas classics. I love Christmas classics. I'm going to hear, you know, Bing Crosby, White Christmas. That'd be great. And I'm thinking about Nat King Cole, you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I can't wait to hear that. That's going to be great. No, 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 no. Those aren't what she played. Very first song that she played was Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen, the boss. That song was recorded when we were in high school, Jeff. We're not old enough to be classics yet, okay? No, 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 I, I'm not old enough to be a classic. Those songs are not classics yet. Those songs are still new as far as I'm concerned. The real classics are, are the ones that we've had forever. I don't know if you know this, but the oldest Christmas song that we know of, the first Christmas song we know of, was a song called The Angel's Hymn or The Angel's Song. It was written in A.D. 129. So just think about that. 129 years after the birth of Jesus, there was a song that the church was singing called The Angel's Song. Now, sadly, we don't have, we don't have the music. We don't know what it sounded like. We also don't have the words. All we have are references to churches singing this song. We assume that it's something like our angels we have heard on high, that it must have had the glory in excelsius Deo, glory to God in the highest, that the angels spoke. That must have been part of that song. But the fact is, we have a Christmas hymn in the Bible, a Christmas carol in the Bible that goes back even before the birth of Jesus. It is Mary's song. It's there in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56, page 856 if you're using those blue Bibles. But it's Mary's song of praise after Mary visits with Elizabeth when uh, John the Baptist, still in utero, leaps with joy and Mary responds to what, Lisa, what, what, uh, what Elizabeth has told her by singing this song. And while there's no, there's no silent night in this song, there's no chestnuts on the open fire, there's not even a Santa Claus is coming to town, this song reflects the message of Christmas and it reflects the promise to God's people, to, to every one of us. Mary begins, Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Mary said, or Mary sang, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. 
There's one Christmas song that gets a lot of play these days. I'm sure you've heard it. It's called Mary Did You Know. You've heard Mary Did You Know? Mark Lowry wrote those words. It asks that question, Mary, did you know? Did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And I listen, I hear the words of Mary's song here in Luke chapter 1, and I hear her, the announcement of the angel to her, and I have to say the answer is yes. Yes, she, she knew those things. She knew her son. She knew who her son was. She knew what he came to do. She sings about God's power. And hers is a song of deliverance. So yes, she knew that this child that she would deliver would soon deliver her. But there's a difference, I think, between knowing the facts and knowing the truth. Knowing in our heart what's there. There are things that we can know because we hear them. You know, we, we hear something we know. We, we can know, know something by reading something or just by recognizing. We, we recognize some, some, some truths. But in those dark and difficult moments when there seems like there's nothing else to hold on to, how do we make sure that what we know isn't just head knowledge, but it's in our heart as well? It's something that we know deep down. And so Mary's song is here for anyone who's, who's hurting, anyone who's in need of hope for deliverance, and anyone who needs to know that, that God has heard your heartbroken cry and He sent His greatest help. That's what Mary's song tells us. She sings this song for us. She sings this song so that you will know that if you give God your pain, He will give you His hope. Now, if your Bible's like mine, it, it puts titles over different sections of Scripture. And some of your Bibles may say that this song is Mary's prayer or Mary's song of praise. And some of your Bibles may use a very old word and it may say that this song is the Magnificat. Now that is not just a really awesome cat, okay? That's not what a Magnificat is. But uh, the Magnificat, it's a, it's a Latin word. It means to magnify. And that's the first line in Mary's prayer, in her song. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Some of your Bibles say, my soul, my soul glorifies the Lord. The word used there literally means enlarges. It's like a magnifying lens. It's like a microscope. The, my soul makes the Lord larger. It enlarges the Lord. My soul draws focus. Draws, my soul draws the Lord into focus, into great focus, and enlarges His goodness. I think that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful sentiment. It's a wonderful thing to say in the song. And yet it's also very rare because if we're honest, very often we will magnify anything but the Lord. We magnify a lot of other things besides the Lord. We magnify our troubles. Uh, we, will, we, will make, we will magnify our problems. We can make a mountain out of any molehill. We will magnify our aggravation. We will magnify the things that get under our skin and we'll make them really, really big. Every now and then somebody says, I'm having a bad day. You, know, you probably said that. I'm having a bad day and I have to stop and think, are you having a bad day? Or did you have a bad five minutes? And you're just milking that for all this work for the rest of the day. Because honestly, sometimes that's what it is with me. It's not a bad day. I choose to magnify the little difficult things and, and make that into huge problems. Look at what Mary sings in 
Again, verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, for my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I want you to think about this. This young girl, this unmarried young girl who is suddenly pregnant, and not just pregnant, but pregnant with an unbelievable story. How difficult is this going to be for her? How difficult is this blessing, this life that God has chosen for her going to be? She says, all generations will call me blessed. Can we be honest? No, they wouldn't. Not, not everyone in all generations. They, they wouldn't all call her blessed. They would be suspicious of her. All the way through the Gospels. With, with the life of Jesus, we find people being suspicious. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is sparring with the Pharisees and their response to Him is, well, we know who our fathers are. Do you know who your father is? Yeah. People, people called into question Jesus' parentage. Her generation wouldn't necessarily call her blessed. And then even after He died and was resurrected, people were still suspicious about Mary. I see it all the time. People are still suspicious about Mary's story. Did she know that? Did she know that all her life there would be a stigma over her about her story? And she had to live with that. But you see, that's not what she chose to magnify. Mary did not choose to magnify her problems, to magnify what other people were saying about her. She didn't choose to magnify the gossip. She didn't choose to magnify the, the, the difficulties that she faced. Her soul magnified the Lord. She chose to focus on the hope that He was placing inside her, a hope that would be for all people. Verses 49 and 50, For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name, and His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Mary was able to look past her pain and past her struggles, the struggles that she was having right then, and say, you know, God has made a promise to me. I can't see the promise yet. I can't hold the promise yet. Someday I will. But if I give Him my pain, He will give me His hope. And so Mary's song is for every one of us who needs to do that, who needs to give God our pain and trust Him for His hope. It's also here to show us that if you give God your weakness, He will give you His strength. Her song continues, verses 51-53. through 53. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. There's an important shift that happens in her song here, and it's kind of hard for us to see in our English Bibles. Uh, there's a shift in the verb tense, Nancy. There's a shift in the, the verb tense here. It's essential to what Mary is singing about. Uh, she changes the, the tense of the verb, and she says that God always shows his strength. God always scatters the proud. God always brings down the mighty. God always exalts the humble. God always fills the hungry with good things. In other words, God always makes things right. The problem is, the problem is it, it takes eyes of faith to see that. Faith that tells us that there is this radical reversal of society that is found in Jesus. You know, about 30 years after Mary sings this song, her little boy Jesus will get up in front of his home congregation there in Nazareth 
and He will announce His ministry. And there, when Jesus preaches that sermon in Nazareth, He will, quoting, he will quote from Isaiah the prophet, and He says, He, God, has sent Me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In other words, He came to change everything. Everyone who has ever been made to feel weak. Everyone who's ever been told they don't have anything to offer. He's here for them. He's here for us. If you give Him your weakness, He gives you His strength. You know, we need people today who can look at the world with eyes of faith and say, despite all the problems we see, despite all the trouble we see in our world, there is something greater at work here. There's a justice that we can't see yet, but it is true, it is real, it is eternal. And in the end, in the end, every account will be settled. Every, in the end, every account will be settled because God always shows His strength. He always scatters the proud. He always brings down the mighty and exalts the humble. God always feeds the hungry. He always makes things right. And because our faith tells us that God's strength is for us, we can hear Mary's call and we can know that if you give God all that you lack, He will give you all that He promises. Verses 54 and 55. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. And as, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. He has helped His servant Israel. Mary says that God has helped His servant Israel. It's an interesting word, help. The word help and the word helper. You know, if you go back in your Old Testament, helper is one of the names that God gives Himself. God calls Himself a helper. He says that He is our helper. Uh, Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Psalm 54 verse 4 says, Behold, God is my helper. But if we go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, God looks at Adam, this, this man that he's created, and he says, it's not good that he's alone. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says, I will create for him a helper. And he gives Eve, he gives Eve his own identity. He gives Eve his name. He calls Eve helper just as he will call himself the helper of Israel. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? That God chooses to give Eve that identity as helper, someone to strengthen Adam, someone to be at his side, to fill him with hope, to, to, to fill him with promise. God gives Eve that name helper. That's what Mary ends up being for Joseph as well, helper. He has helped his servant Israel. Now, you, know, you have to understand, this is not help the way that you and I use the word help. Very often we talk about needing some help or we're going to help somebody out. You know? I don't know if you know this or not, but Hannah, sitting back there, Hannah uh, bought a house up in Lincoln. So she's got a house. And Hannah is going to need some help moving. So if any of you have a truck, uh, you might be able to go get, uh, get some food out of Hannah and she will, she, you can go help her move. Now, she could use some help, right? You got all the help you need yet? Not yet. She's going to need some help uh, to help, help move. So, you know, when someone moves, they need our help, right? We have to go over and we have to lend a hand. So that's how we use the word help. We get done with dinner and someone's going to say, are you going to help me do dishes? And you say, I can't help you do dishes because I am helping myself to dessert right now. You know, so that's, that's how we use help. That's not the kind of help that God offers here. 
Rather, this is the one who gives you all the energy you need to accomplish what you've got to do. He gives you the strength that you need when all you feel is weakness. This is the one who never leaves your side. That's the help that he offers. Verse 55, he has spoke to our fathers, to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. He never leaves your side forever. Whatever it is that you lack, whatever it is you can't accomplish, God is your help. And by declaring Himself to be your help, He's saying, I'm never going to leave your side. I'm never walking away from you. When times get tough, when things get difficult, I'm not going to leave you. Mary herself would know that in a very real and personal way. God would not abandon her, but she wanted in her song for us all to make sure that we knew that truth. That God is our helper. He is our helper forever. Give Him all that you lack and He will give you all that He promises. It seems to me when we come to Christmas, a lot of times Christmas calls us to look backwards. Christmas calls us to look back to the earlier years. You know, every time Christmas comes around, I, I start thinking about the old Christmases. Some of the good ones and some of the bad ones that we had. We've had good Christmases and we've had bad Christmases. We've had Christmases where we had plenty, you know, where the tree was just loaded up with presents. They were overflowing. And then we had Christmases where we didn't even have a tree. You know, we, we had nothing. We've had Christmases where we were surrounded by family. And there have been Christmases where we've been very alone. It seems to me that Christmas always calls us to look back. But God always calls us to look ahead. He always calls us to look ahead. Look ahead for His presence. Look ahead for His blessing. Look ahead for His strength. Look ahead for His help. And look ahead for our hope. And so I wonder, what if, what if your greatest Christmas, what if your greatest Christmas is yet to come? What if there's a Christmas coming that will make all those old memories just pale in comparison? What if God's greatest blessing for you, His greatest gift for you, is yet to be seen? You see, that's what Mary's song calls us to recognize. To recognize His presence in our pain, His presence in our struggles today, and to know that His greatest blessings are yet to come. However great your need, it's nothing compared to God's gift for you. That's what we celebrate around the table. We don't come to the table with a, with a problem that is too big to be met by the broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't come to the table with a sin that is, that is so unique that Jesus didn't know how to die for it. He's covered us. He is, he is prepared for every problem we can face. We're going to pray. We're going to sing a, a song and, uh, and then we'll take communion together. Let me, let me pray as we, as we go to the Lord. Father, there have been so many times when by our words and our worries, we, we've magnified everything but You. We've magnified our problems. We've magnified our pains. We've magnified our needs. and We have magnified everything that we aren't and everything that we don't have. We've magnified everything but the One who promises to give us everything that we need. And so we come to this table. We come to this table every week because we need to put Jesus in the forefront of our vision because there are other things that get magnified in our lives and, and it becomes so hard for us to see Your goodness and Your grace. 
And so today we take the bread, we take the cup to remind us that love, remind us that, that loving us was worth everything to you. And we need to hear that. And we need to hear that and, and that there are those in our lives who, who need to hear that as well. And so in this season when we talk about giving and peace and joy and hope, let us magnify you. Let us bring your presence and your love so into focus in our lives that others see you through us and that others can know that there is a promise for them through you. And so we thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.